Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What a time it is. What a time it is. Hmm. My name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles. We are talking about the attraction of guilt. And we are looking at the obstacles to peace section again, three times in a row. So let's dive in with a blessing and a prayer. I place my hand on my heart and I am grateful and thankful to join together. We're partnering up with that higher Holy Spirit self. We're putting the past behind us. We're relinquishing the attraction to guilt. We're willing to see and know and feel clearly what the truth is. We're letting go of attachments to suffering to blocking the peace. We're opening ourselves to experiencing the peace of God, knowing the peace of God, and sharing the peace of God. We are grateful and thankful that all of this is happening right now. So grateful to let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 We are so blessed. Oh my gosh, are we blessed. We really are so grateful. So grateful for the healing that we're experiencing and for the opportunities that lie before us to share the benefits with everyone. Very, very grateful for this. So, A Course of Miracles tells us that the big issue we have is this unconscious guilt And the unconscious guilt plays out in ways that has us choosing separation because we feel guilty. We are punishing ourselves with the unconscious guilt. We're punishing ourselves with the separation. And so let's understand the attraction of guilt here so we can get our peace back now and forever. And uh, let's see, last Sunday, uh, which was, uh, for me, it was yesterday, the 4th of December, 2022, uh, in that Sundays with Spirit, we have a podcast now for Sundays with Spirit, so you can easily listen to those as well. We have a speaker every week, we have musicians every week. And um, it's wonderful. We do breakouts. It's really, really wonderful. Anyway, I was sharing how I was feeling very strongly that next year, 2023, that it's going to be a powerful year of a, a return to compassion being fashionable. I was talking about that with my spiritual teacher, that compassion, I think, is going to become fashionable again. And I look forward to that because it really is the focus of my life. Isn't it wonderful that uh, I used to have so little compassion and now it's the focus of my life? (laughs) 
Oh, yes, 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 yes. I feel very grateful for that uh, shift and change in my heart. So now next year, if you're into numerology at all, which I am just the tiniest bit uh, interested in numerology, next year, 2023, is a seven year. And you add the two, the two, and the three, and you get a seven. Not hard to do. Seven is the number of truth. So to me, it's a very valuable number. It's a very important number. So I'm not going to say a whole lot about numerology, but this to me is what I've been feeling. And so my intuition said, why don't you look up the numerology for the seven year? And uh, so I did. And here is just, it's at uh, numerology.com. Nope, numerologist.com. Seven universal year. The number seven is a number of perfection. The number holds spiritual significance. The key words of the number seven are wisdom, introspection, perception, and spirituality. These are the themes present in 2023. Now, to me, seven is the number of truth in my modest amount of numerology research. But maybe they don't want to say that here to scare somebody off. I'll just read a couple more paragraphs here and then we'll move on. The seven universal year is related to spirituality and is known for its deep relationship with God. When you deepen your spirituality, you can listen better to the signs and messages from higher powers. Meditating will improve your listening skills and boost your focus on it. It will take you to the peak of your creativity. So regularly meditate to be at your best. Of Course in Miracles might take exception with that. But anyway, forgiveness offers everything we want. 2023, it says, is a time to look within yourself to gain more clarity. Reflect on yourself and come to accept the changes that will come. This universal year also brings analytical and intellectual abilities. Your creative window is broad. Therefore, you can achieve great things when you trust the universe and your angel's guidance. Um, so I am going to just leave that at that. Um, and if you would like to do more research, you can. Now, when we anchor into the truth, as you may know, one of my prayers is, may the truth be revealed and love prevail. And that's helped a lot of people who've come to me and say, what do I do about this insane political climate, this stuff that's going on in the world, all the divisiveness, etc.? I say, pray that the truth may be revealed and love prevail. Many people have been grateful for that. So in a year where truth is going to be a focus, spiritual connection is going to be a focus, it's going to be a powerhouse year. So we're going to blast off next year, especially spiritual students. So... What I, if you wanted a recommendation from me, I would recommend to you that at least for next year, put your attention on deepening your spiritual practice, doing the forgiveness, and opening your mind with compassion, opening your heart with compassion, letting go of the judgments and to do this like never before, uh, it, it will profoundly change your life. I, I cannot tell you the wonderful testimonies I'm getting from people who've been doing that this year in Masterful Living. So, of course, nobody needs my help, 
But if you like it, if you're like, I am ready to roll up my spiritual sleeves and get this done, then come with us. And uh, one of the bonuses I have this week, I have a couple bonuses this week for those who are registered for Masterful Living this year and for next year too. And that is my Undoing Unworthiness four-part class. It's a bonus with Masterful Living. Remember, you can make a um, an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors about any of our programs at the Power of Love Ministry. So let's go back to the attraction of guilt. And we're looking here, continuing on in Chapter 19, Section 4, A. 10i The attraction of guilt produces fear of love for love would never look on guilt at all The attraction of guilt produces fear of love Now this this makes sense this is not hard to understand If we feel guilty one of the primary reasons we we feel guilty, it's the unconscious guilt coming up, getting triggered. So uh, some of the most common triggers for guilt in this world are people saying things to us like, oh, why didn't you do what I asked you to do? Or we people saying to us, um, oh, you should have done that differently. Or um, all kinds of um, grievances that people have against us or when we say mean things, when we withhold love, all of these things, when we do them because we're, in a sense, hypnotized by the ego thought system and we're stuck in what seems like a hamster wheel kind of a quagmire, then because it's so painful to mistreat and to intentionally be unkind to the people we say we love the most, children, grandchildren, uh, spouses, parents, co-workers. When we withhold love, we're jealous, we make snide remarks, we make punishing remarks and these kinds of things, shaming remarks, um, then whether we know it or not on a conscious level, and I, I don't believe there's an unconscious level, but it just sometimes helps to use these words to talk about it. But in, in a way that we're aware of it, but not paying attention to it, we will feel guilty, of course, for doing and saying those things or not doing the loving things, whatever it is, we will have this sense of guilt because of it, shame because of it. They go so closely together, guilt and shame. And on the Hawkins scale, they're so close. They're closer than any other two on the scale, in fact, uh, as I recall. And when there's the guilt and the shame then we will make an equation of it in our mind that loving somebody is going to trigger our guilt and our shame. Caring about people is going to trigger our guilt and our shame. So we're going to be resistant to love. We're going to be afraid of love. If our loved ones have shamed us and guilted us, we may develop a very strong fear of love. And I bet you, if you haven't experienced this personally, you have met many people in your life who had the appearance of being afraid of love, afraid of intimacy, afraid of commitment, afraid of connection, and people who would prefer to isolate and be on their own. And many, many, many times uh, people don't realize that the reason why they prefer to isolate and be on their own is not because they're afraid of other people. 
They're afraid of themselves in relationship. And that was true for me. I thought that I didn't like being around other people so much because their energy brought me down. But that was 100% not what was happening. What was happening was I would be defensive and attacking and I would feel guilty and ashamed for being unloving and unkind and that would lead me to be angry, be resentful, be annoying, frustrated, annoyed, frustrating, (laughs) both frustrated and frustrating, both annoyed and annoying. And I just wanted to get the hell away from people a lot of the time. I was a complainer who couldn't stand complainers. (laughs) Sometimes like does not attract like. Um, No, I did attract complaining people, but I didn't like being around them. Uh, (laughs) Unless we were complaining about the same things. So the attraction of guilt produces a fear of love. It is the nature of love to look upon only the truth. For there it sees itself. Love is the truth. Truth is love. It is the nature of love to look upon only the truth. For there it sees itself with which it would unite in holy union and completion. As love must look past fear so must fear see love not. For love contains the end of guilt as surely as fear depends upon it. These are beautiful, beautifully crafted sentences. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Let's just look at them again. As love must look past fear so must fear see love not. For love contains the end of guilt as surely as fear depends upon it. So remember that I talk about how Jesus tells us in the Course that those who are loving are invulnerable. So this is another way of saying that. Love must look past fear. And love would never look on guilt at all, wouldn't recognize it, because it's not real. It's part of the illusion. And so there's when we're really in the place of love, then there's no fear. Because we're in our true identity, and we're recognizing that Only love is real. So there is nothing to fear from the unreal. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. That's from the beginning of the Course. All right, so. As love must look past fear, so must fear see love not. So when we're in a place of fear, we will not recognize love. We won't. And yet love is our healer. Love heals the attraction to fear, to guilt, to both. Going on here. For love contains the end of guilt as surely as fear depends upon it. Love is attracted only to love. Overlooking guilt completely, it sees no fear. Being holy without attack, completely without attack, love could not be afraid. Fear is attracted to what love sees not. And each believes that what the other looks upon does not exist. Fear looks on guilt with just the same devotion that love looks on itself. And each has messengers which it sends forth and which return to it with messages written 
in the language in which their going forth was asked. So this is why I say love is the healer. Love is the only healer because love is real. Love is what we are. When we are authentically loving, which means we don't need anything in return, we're generous of heart, we're patient, we're kind, we're compassionate, then we're in that place of our loving heart, and then we can truly receive, receive all manner of insight and support. So what I'm saying about next year, 2023, is that it's a year of truth. And I think in the year of truth, not that I think it, I feel it. This is what my intuition is telling me. This is what my higher Holy Spirit self is sharing with me that next year is going to be a focus on compassion. Because I'm constantly asking, how can I be more helpful? Show me how I can be more helpful. Reaching up to that higher Holy Spirit self for the guidance on how I can be more helpful. And so, love and understanding, that's what compassion is. And love is the truth. Truth is love. So, When we have compassion for other people, fear dissolves because there's no longer an other. There's nothing to be afraid of. When we're in our loving heart, there's nothing to be afraid of. Fear looks on guilt with just the same devotion that love looks on itself. So if we're feeling guilty about anything, for any reason whatsoever, if we're feeling guilty, hand it over to the Holy Spirit for healing. Hand it over, hand it over. Do not try to figure it out. Mm. So helpful. Okay, continuing on. Paragraph 11 here. Oh, I said last paragraph was I. Oh, it is I. Interesting. 10I, yes. Now we're in 11. Love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. Let's send loving messages. One loving message that I like to send is rainbows of love and light from my heart to whoever's heart. Rainbows of love and light from my heart to my brother's heart. Rainbows of love and light from my heart to my mother's heart. And on and on. So gentle messages of love. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and cherish every scrap of evil and sin that they can find losing none of them on pain of death and laying them respectfully before their Lord and Master. Perception cannot obey two masters for each asking for messages of different things in different languages. Perception cannot obey two masters each asking for messages of different things in different languages. Remember, it's uh, another way that it's been said is you can't ride two horses at the same time. You can't ride two horses in different directions at the same time. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and cherish every scrap of evil and sin that they can find, losing none of them on pain of death and laying them respectfully before their Lord and Master. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would feed upon Love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. The fierce attraction that guilt holds for fear is wholly absent from love's gentle perception. 
what love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. So here's an example of what's being talked about here. Fear demands judgments, complaints, attack thoughts, defense thoughts, right? Because you're in a battle. Love can't even see the battle. The fierce attraction that guilt holds for fear is wholly absent from love's gentle perception. The person who feels guilty is looking to be punished for their guilt. And so they're expecting to be in a battle all the time. And they punish themselves all the time. They're in a battle with themselves. And it says here, what love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. Love would look upon the innocence, the perfection, the wholeness, the beauty, the magnificence. And oh my gosh, it's time for me to take a break. Ah! So I'll come back after the break and we'll look at this some more. Oh, I, and please go to jenniferhadley.com. Take a look at what's happening with Masterful Living. See if you can book an exploratory call if you're interested in one of our programs. And remember, undoing unworthiness starts on Thursday. That's December 8th. Of course, you can always get the replays later. But remember, these live classes are bonuses for anybody who's registered for Masterful Living. You're listening to A Course in Miracles with me, Jennifer Hadley. We're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. My name is Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles, where we're walking the talk, we're living the love. And our topic this week is the attraction of guilt. The attraction of guilt. We're also looking at the obstacles to peace, and the attraction to guilt is one of those obstacles. So, Hmm. I oh, I also want to mention this before I forget, which is I spontaneously just the other day I got a clear insight from spirit to do a class called Grieving Through the Holidays. And so it's going to be a four-part class, four parts in four days, starting December 15th. Nothing is on the website yet. I haven't written anything down yet. I haven't had time. But this feels really important to me because this is the time of year when a lot of people make their transitions. It's also a time when a lot of people are experiencing their first Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, etc., Hanukkah, without their loved one. And my mom went into hospice care a week before Thanksgiving, and I found out the day before Thanksgiving. So I knew it was the last Thanksgiving, the last Christmas, uh, the last New Year's, the last Valentine's Day, the last my parents' anniversary, my dad's birthday, all those last things. And um, it can feel like a gauntlet, especially at this time of the year. And for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, it's also the darkest time of year. It's been very dark and dreary here in in Vermont uh, for the last couple of weeks. I am using my therapy lamps all day, every day, even now, uh, which it just helps me tremendously. I, I do feel affected by the sunlight, um, 
sending a, a text of the sunset to a friend of mine in California, and it was uh, four o'clock in the afternoon, and she was like, what? That sun's going down pretty early. It's like, yep, that's how it is here. So anyway, um, grieving through the holidays, and that will be another bonus. I'm going to give it to everybody in Masterful Living this year and next year. So look for that, and it's open to everyone. You don't have to be in Masterful Living. It's just an option for people. Back to the attraction of guilt in Obstacles of Peace, Chapter 19, Section 4A, Paragraph 11. Love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and cherish every scrap of evil and sin that they can find, losing none of them on pain of death and laying them respectfully before their Lord and Master, Lord and Master Ego. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. The fierce attraction that guilt holds for fear is wholly absent, completely absent from love's gentle perception. What love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. So I, I think this is is really important to understand, very helpful to understand. And it, it, for many people, I think it's unbelievable until you begin to experience it. So let's break it down here. Now, in my experience, I used to get triggered into that deep sense of something is terribly, fundamentally wrong with me. I think I'm evil. I think I'm just plain bad. Something is wrong with me. I'm not sure what it is, but I think it might be that I'm evil. So that was the constant undertone of everything, every day, all the time. Constant undertone for many decades. And I'm glad for it now because I understand it. And I can help people who have their own same dark undertone to their life experience. And it is perception. It is a perception that this is the truth of our being, even though it's not the truth of our being. We believe it. We perceive it. Why do we perceive it? We, we perceive it uh, being reflected back to us in everything. Why? Because it is what we believe. So we think that the world is confirming our beliefs, which it is, but it's not confirming that this is the truth, merely that we believe it. The world is always going to affirm what we believe, not that it's true, but that we believe it. And it's so important to understand this fundamental truth about the way this world works. When I believed it to be true that there was something fundamentally wrong with me, and perhaps it was that I was basically bad or evil, then I consistently perceived that the world was reflecting that back to me. And so I interpreted everything to affirm what I believed. And that's what everybody else does. So in this section, this chapter 19, section 4a, paragraph 11, he says, perception cannot obey two masters each asking for messages of different things in different languages, the language of love, the language of fear. So we have to go one track or the other. So the, the master that is the I am presence, the higher Holy Spirit itself, that is always speaking to us in the language of love and compassion, 
uh, it's always speaking to us. However, our perception cannot obey two masters. And when most people, when they begin this journey, they are far more identified with the ego and that perception than they are with the truth, which is love's presence. So what fear would feed upon, love overlooks. So fear feeds on, oh, he didn't return my call. It must be that he doesn't respect me. Oh, she didn't answer my text. It must be she doesn't think I'm worthwhile. Um, Oh, I didn't get that promotion. It must be because I'm not good enough. All kinds of other things can be going on, but we are going to interpret it through that lens. This is what he's saying here. And what I am so grateful for is I saw in my own awareness things shifting and I began to have little inklings. Oh, when he's mad and angry and yelling, it doesn't have anything to do with me. He's not yelling because who cares what I think, who cares about my feelings. He's just in his own little world, has nothing to do with me. It doesn't mean he disrespects me. He doesn't care about me. He's just wrapped up in his ego identity, has not one thing to do with me. But before I had that realization, I thought it had to do with me, that if even though he wasn't angry at me or with me, if he was having a meltdown in my presence, it was because he didn't think my psyche was important, that he could just rant and rave, and my feelings about that didn't matter because he didn't really care about me. He cared more about himself. I made the interpretation that I wasn't valuable to him. But it really had nothing to do with that. It had to do with he had no sense of control. He was so triggered. He uh, cared more about his own thoughts and feelings than anything else. And it didn't matter who was in the room with him at the time. didn't matter if it was me or a stranger or... His mother, his father, his brother, his sister, those things didn't matter. But I made it about me because that's what the ego always does. And love does not do that. Love overlooks. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. Fear demands that I make it about me. Love does not see it that way. Love sees a cry for love in that kind of behavior and an opportunity to be truly helpful. So what I've seen in my own experience, someone was telling me in Sundays with Spirit yesterday that they watched me in Masterful Living with someone who year after year would challenge me and sometimes make it difficult for me. I couldn't even remember those experiences like I had to really think about first of all I wasn't sure who they were talking about because I did not actually recall it that way I didn't recall it as they were challenging me again and again and making life difficult for me through their challenges I in my memory I was serving them and I was opening my heart to them, and they were calling me to be even more loving, more compassionate, to demonstrate how powerful love and compassion are as healers. So my experience of those conversations in class, totally different interpretation, totally different experience from the other person. And and that's the thing is... I won't say, I I will never, I'm not interested in lying or deceiving or making myself seem 
more awake or available or open than I am. You know, sometimes I can be petty. Sometimes I can still be, um, anyway, (laughs) less than ideal. And I don't, I don't need to, um, be ashamed of that. It's just sometimes I fall down an ego hole, but I don't go very far down it anymore. I used to go down, 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 and I could stay for months at a time. Now I don't go down, down, down. I just go down a little bit and then I realize, oh, wait, (laughs) I could have bees instead of this and I come back. So Again, it's not that I don't trip and fall, it's that I don't stay down there and wallow in it. Thank God. So, what fear would feed upon, love overlooks. This is so true. And this is why it's so important to me to do everything I can to let people know that we can work these lessons, we can work them together, we can totally change our lives. My favorite thing every year at the end of the year is people who tell me at the beginning of the year, I set out on this journey with you, Jennifer, expecting to fail. I was so skeptical I did not believe it would be possible for me. I fully expected to be able to say, look how hopeless I am. Even Jennifer couldn't help me. But I I just did the things, some of the things you suggested, and things really shifted and changed. So what am I suggesting? I'm suggesting working the lessons. Now, <laughs> and but not specifically reading the book no 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 i mean read the book sure of course i love the book but that that's not healing reading the book is not healing if you've been studying a course in miracles a while and you are not living a miraculous life now even after one trip through the lessons if you are not living a truly miraculous life now then you're not living the lessons, you're just reading them. And I say that with love. I say that with so much love because I did that with so many things. For years, for decades, I read spiritual teachings. I did not fully apply them. I only applied them a little tiny bit, sometimes kind of, sort of. And until I really made that decision to go all in for spirit, for love, for God, for peace, for joy, for freedom, for truth, I was just dancing around the edges, believing, so fully convinced that it doesn't work for me, but it does work for other people. The truth is, it works for people who do the work, who actually apply the lessons and live them live them. So what I did was I decided to take lesson 68, Love Holds No Grievances, and just focus on that one lesson. And I used other lessons to help me, like I'm never upset for the reason I think, I don't know what anything is for, etc. So that's how I did it. And that's in a certain way, what I now teach is I teach various ways in our programs how to apply the lessons really effectively and a community of like-minded souls who want to do it together. So that's what Masterful Living is. That's what everything is. And I'm going to say real quick here, I'm only going to do Finding Freedom once next year in the fall. I'm going to do my spiritual counseling training intensive once in the fall. I'm going to do my stop playing small retreat once at the end of the summer in late mid-September. I am only going to do the self-sabotage once next year. And I am cooking up a new program that I'm going to offer that will be part of Masterful Living and people could enroll in that separately, but... I think the thing to do is to try and 
really maximize the load, especially next year, this seven year coming up. Paragraph 12, relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. So how are you seeing the world? Are you seeing the world as a reflection of your belief system or and a projection of your belief system? Or are you feeling like a victim and the world is happening to you? Because that's the most delusional posture there is. Just sorry, making it plain. I used to think I was a victim all the time. I I looked around to find who I was a victim of. I'd walk into a room and say, oh, that one. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, So glad I don't waste my time with that anymore. So, But I used to be complaining constantly about how I was a victim of this thing and that thing and whatnot. So relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. Remember, we're looking here at the fundamental experience of the attraction of guilt, right? So guilt is most often triggered within our relationships. So relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen, how we see the world. Uh, Are we a victim of the world? Or are we above it in the sense of we live in the real world, we're above the battlefield? And this depends on which emotion was called on to send its messengers to look upon it, to look upon the world and return with word of what they saw. So our, it's calling these messengers, it's this, these are our um, perceptive abilities, our perceivers. Fears messengers are trained through terror and they tremble when their master calls on them to serve him. So looking at the world and fears messengers are going and looking at the world and coming back with messages of attack, of fear, of doubt, of shame, of blame, all of that. This, this is how I make sense of what he's saying here. For fear is merciless even to its friends. Isn't that true? Fear is merciless even to its friends. Who are the friends of fear? Doubt, shame, blame. Its messengers steal guiltily away in hungry search of guilt, for they are kept cold and starving and made very vicious by their master, who allows them to feast only upon what they return to him. No little shred of guilt escapes their hungry eyes. So in other words, you are always going to find what you're looking for. If you're looking for someone to blame, you will find it. If you're looking for someone to shame, you will find it. If you're looking for someone to attack you, you will find them. If you're looking for someone to defend against, you will find them. No little shred of guilt escapes their hungry eyes, and in their savage search for sin... They pounce upon any living thing they see and carry it screaming to their master, the ego, to be devoured. (laughs) Wow, it's a horror movie, isn't it? Paragraph 13, send not these savage messengers into the world to feast upon it and to prey upon reality. P-R-E-Y, prey upon reality. For they will bring your word of bones and skin and flesh. They will bring you word of bones and skin and flesh. They have been taught to seek for the corruptible and to return with gorges filled with things decayed and rotted. 
To them, such things are beautiful because they seem to allay their savage pangs of hunger. For they are frantic with the pain of fear and would avert the punishment of him who sends them forth by offering him what they hold dear. All right, all of that sounds very dark and gruesome, but here comes the the beauty and the light. Paragraph 14. The Holy Spirit has given you love's messengers to send instead of those you train through fear. They are as eager to return to you what they hold dear as are the others. If you send them forth love's messengers. If you send them forth, they will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. They will be as careful to let no little act of charity, no tiny expression of forgiveness, no little breath of love escape their notice. And they will return with all the happy things they found to share them lovingly with you. Be not afraid of them, They offer you salvation. Theirs are the messages of safety, for they see the world as kind. And this is one of the most beautiful things that I hear from people in my programs all the time, is they begin to see these beautiful gifts of light and joy and freedom and wholeness and harmony in the darkness and it, it what it builds momentum the more we do the practices the more momentum there is and that is it i'm about out of time by the way forgiveness letter writing workshops free workshops this weekend so uh check it out at um jenniferhadley.com We've got them on the 10th and the 11th of December. I'm so grateful and thankful that our life is the life of God. We bless each other. We bless the whole world with our holiness. We are grateful and thankful that love is what we are now and forever. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah.